listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. on your heart and God touch us today we pray. God help us to have ears to hear what you would hear. Open up our hearts, prepare our hearts today to receive your word that it would be good soil that would take root, that would take hold. We love you in Jesus name. Come on high five someone around and say amen, 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 amen. Amen. Good morning everybody. Wow what a service already. What a service Today, putting the pressure on. How do you follow something like that? Absolutely incredible. But we have just really enjoyed, and I pray our prayer has been this. We pray that you're enjoying this new series, Bible Greats, as much as we're enjoying teaching it to you because we're just having a lot of fun telling you the awesome stories of the Bible. Come on, the great stories from then, but are still great stories for your now. They're not just history, they're part of our lives today. How do we know that? Because the same God then is the same God now. If God was able then, God is still able now. If God was willing then, He's still willing then now. If God was victorious and they saw victory, guess what? That same victory and power can still be ours Today today we want to talk about the extraction. It's like something out of a Hollywood movie. Whirlwinds, chariots of fire. It's exciting stuff. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? On Wednesday night, we laid some groundwork because we really looked at step one of Elisha accepting the invitation or call to be God's next prophet. Prophet is the mouthpiece. They spoke as God gave them instruction. One day he's minding his own business. He's working hard and someone just passes by him and just throws their cloak on top of him. Could you picture that? You're just going about your day. Just think about in your cubicle at your computer and all of a sudden someone throws a jacket over your head. You'd be like, what? What's going on? You'd be like, man, who's messing with me? What's taking place? It's amazing. Elijah doesn't stop to tell him what's going on. He just throws his cloak on him and just keeps on walking. What would Elisha do? What would he do? He must have known somehow that this was a special moment. He knew that someone wasn't playing a trick on him. He knew this was a special moment, a God-given moment of his life. And because this, he was prepared to leave everything he had. And he was prepared to go to follow the call. The Bible tells us that he prepared a farewell meal. 
He was plowing with some oxen. He killed the oxen. He took the plow. He made it into a bonfire. He boiled it. He had a barbecue with that which he had. I said this Wednesday night. And incidentally, we have church on Wednesday. Just want you to know. You need to be with us if you can on a Wednesday. I know for some it's an effort. And that's why we've shortened the service. We make it earlier so kids can be home in a good time. We're finished by quarter till eight most weeks. Sometimes we have a we go into overtime, which we did this week. We had overtime this week and it was exciting. And guess what? We won. We won the game. So it's sad to go into overtime and lose. We, we won in overtime. And so on Wednesday, we discovered this, that Elisha does more than just running after Elijah. He makes sure there is nothing to run back to. He makes sure there is nothing to run back to. And look at the last part of verse 21, and it says this, And he became his servant. He followed Elijah. Elisha followed Elijah and he became his servant. He didn't assume position. He humbled himself. He yielded his life. God's looking for servants, just saying. God is looking for servants. God is tired of prima donnas. God is tired of people who want the spotlight because I hate to break it to you, but let me say it really nice. It's not about you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. You maybe think you do, but it's not about you. It's not about us. But you know who it's about? It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And after this, we hear really nothing of Elisha until 2 Kings chapter 2. There is no mention of him. And that's where we want to pick up our story today. Notice I said our story today because it's not just his story. It's our story today. Second Kings chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, open them up. While you're turning there, we're so thankful you stepped into a place of life, love, and purpose. And we just want to welcome those of you who are new with us today. You, you, the moment you walked through the doors, you became part of a family. And we welcome you into a great, great, great family. Second Kings 2, 1. And it says, And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went, or Elisha went with Elijah from Gilgal. Let me just stop for a moment. The Bible speaks of Elijah, the prophet, being taken up to heaven. Why would this be? What we understand is in the last days, during the time of the tribulation when the Antichrist is going to be in rule and in position. And you may not understand all of that. You asked for it in November and we're going to be talking some about the end times in November. But what we realize is from the scripture, God sends two prophets. God sends two mouthpieces to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. People believe that one of those will be Elijah. Because he did not suffer an earthly death as we will, but he was taken up. The other will be Enoch, they believe, because the Bible says the same of him. It says, and Enoch was no more. It doesn't say that he died, but he was taken up into heaven. So we believe the reason why God took Elijah in this way is because he's going to send him back to be a spokesman for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in Jerusalem and all the world will hear his bold predictions. All the world will hear his words that he will speak in reference to his testimony of Christ. 
Verse 2, then Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, please. Say with me, stay here. Stay here. That's stay here, number one. For the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went down to Bethel. Somehow we discover in this story that Elisha knew that his prophet, his master, the one he was serving, Elijah, he knows that he was going to be departing soon. So here he is, he is determined to follow to the end. And it's pretty interesting because I thought when I read that, as a servant of a master, he didn't really have the choice to decide usually. Because if his master said to him, stay here, that was exactly what he had to do because it was his responsibility to be obedient. But there's something different about this day that when his master says, stay here, he's like, no. Because he knew something was about to happen. And verse 3 confirms his feelings, his insight that he has. And it says, now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord is going to take away your master from over you today. And Elisha said, yes, I know, keep silent. I don't want to talk about it. Just keep silent. Verse 4, then Elijah said to him, stay here, please. Say with me, stay here. here. That's number two. For the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Again, he doesn't accept the invitation to stay because he knows something's about to take place. So he is following hard after God. Can you believe today that something is about to take place in your life? Can you believe that God is getting ready to do something? Others around you may say, oh, forget that Christian stuff. Oh, just forget it. God's not in control any longer. You need to stop listening to that instruction. You need to have a moving in your heart that stirs you to say, come on, there's got to be more than what I'm living in right now. There's got to be more than my depression. There's got to be more than my sickness. There's got to be more. I ain't going to stay here no longer. Come on. I'm moving on in God. I'm moving on in God. Verse 5. Is that where we are now? The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him again, do you not know that the Lord is going to take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please. Say with me, stay here. That's number three if you're keeping count. Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho. Stay, stay, stay. The answer every time was no, no, no. Point number one, are you ready? If you're taking notes today, you need to write this down. His commitment was tested. His commitment was tested. Now, I know I'm only preaching to myself today, but I've been tested in my walk. Come on, I know you have been too. 
Come on, we've been tested in our walk. Our faith has been challenged. Our faith has been tested many times. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now. Maybe you're in the beginning of that. Your faith is in a state of being tested right now. But what we've got to watch because of the cause of... Because of that which has come against our faith, we've got to watch that it hasn't created a lack in our commitment. And unfortunately for many of us, it does exactly that. We're not here to judge you today, but we're here to correct. We're here to say the truth of God's Word. Because what do we see? I see this over and over again. I see people struggling, whether it's in their relationships, whether it's in their health, whether it's in their marriage, whatever it is, there's a struggle, or they're going through pain, or they've gone through a loss of a job, all these things of life. They are struggling in life. And you know what they do? They're gone. When we have church on Sunday, there's no one there. They're absent. They're gone. They are missing. And it's amazing. It shows us the struggle many times before we know there's even a struggle. Because what happens is people too often times run in the wrong direction in their time of testing. They run out instead of running in. I thank God for my parents because they taught me when there was a problem, you didn't run from the house, you ran to the house. If you were sick, you didn't run away from the house, you came to the house. Now, if you're infectious, please um, love us from a distance. But what I'm saying is you run to the house. Oh, well, I'm feeling lonely today. Yeah, the enemy doesn't want you you to run to where your help comes from. Come on, your help comes from God. You need to be in the house. And so what does the enemy want you to do? He wants to test you and say, just stay at Gilgal. Just stay at Bethel. Just stay at Jericho. And if you would look, and this is a different message, but if you would look at Gilgal, if you would look at Bethel, if you would look at Jericho, they are very significant places in God's word. Great things happened in those places. And if we don't watch, we can live on the yesterday days. We can stay and get stuck because, listen to me, I believe those places represent moments and seasons of your life. Let me explain that. I believe Gilgal, Bethel and Jericho, for many, are a place of hurt. They're a place of pain. They're a place of sickness. They're a place of doubt. They're a place of question. They're that place of frustration. They're a place of failure. And they can even be a place of blessing. And they can even be a place of breakthroughs. Because you see, if we don't watch, we can so easily find ourselves stuck there. We can find ourselves staying there. And if we're staying there... We're missing God in the process of what He wants to do. We're missing out in the best and the plan that God has. Oh, there is a way that seems right to man. But God says, I'm not in man's way, I'm in my way. I have my own plan and I have my own way and you need to follow. You see, so often we want to fit our lives into God. Or rather, we want God to fit His life into us. Well, we need to fit our life into God. Let me get it right. We want God to bless our plans instead of us being blessed by His plan. We want God to anoint what we've said is right instead of looking to God who will instruct us and show us what's right. And there's already blessing waiting for us. God doesn't have to bless his right. His blessing is already on his right. Do I hear an amen? 
So God is able to do that. So if we don't watch, we can find ourselves there. I'm not standing here today to deny the impact of those places and the effect that they have had upon your life. Pain is real. Abuse is real. Hurt is real. But I will tell you this, you'll never find your answer there. Pain is not the answer. You cannot find the answer to pain in pain. All you find is more pain. You can't find your answer to loneliness in isolation because all you find is more isolation. Do you see that? You cannot find the answer to sickness in sickness. You have to find a doctor. You have to get well. You have to seek the healer. And the last time I checked, he is all that and so much more. So what we've got to watch is we're looking for the answer in something that's just creating a bigger problem. And we find ourselves staying where God does not want us to be. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. Let me show you this from Genesis chapter 11. Let's jump back to the beginning of the Bible. It says this, Then Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, which was Abraham's wife, and he went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans. That was their homeland. He left his homeland to go where? To the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. They came to Haran and dwelt there. Most people start with the move of God relocating his people into his land of promise. Most people begin with Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 that speaks about God saying to Abraham, come out of your people and go to a land that I will show you. But I believe Abraham and his family was called out before that. But the reason why Abraham had to be called again is because his father stayed. His father stayed. His dad, Terah, must have had some type of encounter or moment with God to uproot his whole family and to say, we're leaving where we live and we're going to a land that we don't know. And the Bible says that his dad, Terah, was a prominent man. He wasn't just a nobody in the community. He was a somebody in the community. But on his way out, Whether instructed by God or not, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I believe he was. On his way out, he stops where? He stops in a city called Haran. Say with me, Haran. During Bible times, these times, they would name cities after the founder or a prominent person of the city. So the city of Haran was named after Haran. Terah had a son that was called Haran. Terah had a son that was called Haran. And from what we understand, it was probably his son's city, but we know something else. Hold with me, we're getting somewhere. We know that Haran had died. His son had died. Lot was his son. He was Ab- um, Terah was taking them out. He didn't take Haran out because the Bible already tells us that Haran had died. So picture this, please. Here is Terah taking all of his family out of a place where God doesn't want them to be. And to a place of promise and provision and blessing where God wants them to be. So on their way to a new land, a new life, a fresh start, he takes a detour to a city called Haran. 
And I'm telling you right now, that city represented a place of pain and grief for him. Because when he stepped into that place, there was memories of his son all over that place. And it became a place of grief for him, but a day trip ended up becoming a dwelling place. Genesis eleven thirty three. next verse. So the days of terror were 205 and terror died where? He died in Haran. He died in his state of pain. He died in his place of regret. If only I'd have been there, maybe my son hadn't died. If only I'd have... He died in a place of pain. That wasn't where God called him to. That wasn't where God wanted him to be. But that's where we find ourselves so many times because we feel sorry for ourselves. We get people's attention. We get people's love. We get to feel like everything... Come on, come on. That's not God's intent for us to stay there. And I'm telling you, Terah died a physical death there. He's six foot under. But I believe many of us today are living a greater death than a six foot under death. And we're living a living death. We're stuck in a place of pain, anguish, misery, gloom, and despair. And never moving forward. We're talking about our commitment being tested. I just want you to know something that this has perhaps been one of the toughest years that I've ever gone through in my spiritual life. And I've gone through some things before. Kelly and I have had a tested year this year. It's amazing. It's actually a year to this day, I believe, that I preached a message and preached my heart out. And got home to one of my daughters who sat down and said, Dad and Mom, I want to move out. I'm tired of living the life that you want me to live. And I want to choose another pathway for my life. I want you to know something that's rocked our world. It still hurts as much today as the year ago when we first heard that news. It doesn't get any easier. It wears on you. Because there's glimpses of hope and then it's just crushed and knocked back down. It's a pain that we're living in. It's a place of pain. But I'm telling you right now, Kelly and I have been determined to say we're not going to dwell there. We're not going to live there. We're not going to live there. Oh, the pain comes and the hurt's there every day. But every day we remind ourselves of the promise of God. We remind ourselves of the truth of God. Because others may say, oh, you just got to accept that. You've got to believe. Never will we accept that. Because as for me and my house, we will serve Lord, we're going to see our verses this. We're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We ain't going to die and it's going to happen. We're going to see it while we're alive. We're going to see it so we can enjoy it and be a part of it. But here's Elisha three times. He's tested. I wish it was so, were not so that we would not be tested. How great would life be 
if we're not tested. I'm telling you right now, we're going to be tested. But you've got to remember 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 because God's promise is this to your life. It's a promise for you. He says, and with the temptation, every time I'll be your way of escape. I'll be your way. Notice he didn't say your sitting place, your dwelling place. He said, I'll be your way because this ain't where you're going to stay. Come on, God says, we're going through this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death. I will not fear. Why? Because God, you're leading me through. We can't stop. We can't circle the wagons. That's what we want to do in the natural. We want to circle the wagons. We want to camp out. And that's what the enemy tells us we need to do. We've got to push through and constantly trust God. Because if you haven't received your miracle and your breakthrough yet, you never will if you stop. Come on, I said, you'll never receive your miracle and your breakthrough in your past. And you're not going to receive, if you haven't got it right now, your answers are not behind you. Your answers are ahead of you. And you're never going to make it if you stop. Come on, you've got to watch out for Gilgal. You've got to watch out for Bethel. Bethel even means house of God. I mean, come on, you've got to watch for these moments of your life. Because even the success can be as much a problem as the pain. Because we can stay in those places. Come on, I'm here to tell you, if you hear nothing else today, Gilgal, Bethel and Jericho, they ain't your dwelling place. And I know it's tough. I know it's tough. I know sometimes it's tougher than you can almost bear. Come on, we know what it's like to hardly be able to lift our heads off our pillows in the morning. We know what it's like. We know what you're going through. We're not belittling the struggle. We know what you're going through. But I want you to hear something. You're not going through it alone. We're here to help you and support you. And someone greater than us is there to help you because God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Come on, when they were in a fiery furnace, I think those boys probably thought, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble here. But God showed up in the middle of their trial. God showed up in the middle of their fire. And listen to me, the only thing that burnt up in the fire was what? The ropes that held them bound. Oh, the enemy wants to bind you and put you in a place of darkness. But I'm telling you right now, you've got to find God in your situation. Because God's the one that still will bring the victory and the healing for your life. And the only thing that's going to burn up is the bonds that are holding you back. Come on, I feel like preaching today. Come on, I wish I, I, wished I had an organ. If I had an organ today, it would be dangerous in this house. Well, you know, God sent his Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I can't stay here forever. But I'm going to send the person of the Holy Spirit who will be the comforter. What does that mean? When I'm in trouble, the comforter is right there beside me. But you know how we view the comforter so many times? We view him like this. Oh, it's going to be okay. Oh, it's okay. Thank God for the times when God tells it. But you know, sometimes God has to slap us upside the head and say, Get up from your problems. Get up. Come on. Greater is he that is within you than he that's in the world. The comforter wants to lead us in God. As the Bible tells us that the comforter will lead us into all truth. Lead us out of darkness and pain and belief. Wow, we're only on point one. 
Verse 7, And fifty men of the sons of the prophets stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them, Elijah and Elisha, stood by the Jordan. Point number two, what are you distant from? What has become distant in your life? What is closest to your life? What is distant in your life? We just read that 50 prophets came, but you know what they did? They really were there just to observe. We've got a lot of Christians who want to observe. But the Bible says 50 observed, but two, what? They moved in and they stood close. One of the enemy's greatest goals is to drive a wedge between you and God. One of the greatest goals he has is to cause a distance and a separation. Because I know you've said this, I'm just not really feeling God lately. Just don't even know if he's there. Kind of questioning whether he's lost my email address. Questioning whether he unfriended me on Facebook. I'm just kind of questioning a little bit because we feel like that so many times. And I know you do. Anyone with me? Can I, can I just see if anyone knows what I'm talking about today? Well, uh, well, half of you. Well, we're praying for the rest of you because you're a bunch of liars. Amen. <laughs> if you haven't been there yet, you will be one day. When you're feeling distant, you're feeling separated. And what happens during those times? The devil starts talking. Mm-hmm. Well, have you had it done that? You want to know when the devil's lying? If his lips are moving. You don't need to have a conversation with the devil. God's already kicked his teeth out at Calvary. God's already taken care of him. You need to say, devil, if you've got a problem with me, you've got a problem with him. Go and take it up with God. God's handling my problems today. But his words bombard our minds. Many times they'll come when you've laid down at night and... Everything is quiet and no one's around. Or you're in your car on your own and he'll just bombard you with those words. No one cares about you. And then again, we begin to take those words and we voice those words. I don't even feel God. I don't know if he even cares. You know, the Bible tells us a story about that. Two men are walking home from Jerusalem. These two men have just witnessed Christ being crucified. Their hope, their saviour, their Messiah, the one that they put their faith and hope in. They had watched him die upon a cross. They are feeling rejected, dejected, depressed and let down. It's not a good day to them. Yet a stranger came and walked with them. Look what the Bible says in Luke 24, 15 and 16. So it was while they conversed and reasoned. They were feeling sorry for themselves. Why did that happen to me? I paid my tithes on Sunday. Why is it taking place? Uh, I signed up for the welcome team. Why is all this happening? What's going on? They were reasoning. They were conversing. But notice, while they were in that state, the Bible says that Jesus himself drew near to them and went with them. I thought you said he was a stranger. Yes, he is. Why? Because look, verse 16. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not even know him. I wonder how many times our eyes can be restrained in life. That during our darkest times, when we think he's gone, he's walking right there with us. He's right there with 
us. He's been there. He's always been there. And he just because you don't recognize it, just because you don't feel it, doesn't mean he's gone. You've got to trust his promise. You've got to know his word. You've got to hold true to his word because he walks with them and he begins to open up the word and shares and speaks hope into their life. But they don't see him. But we know something by the end of the story. Something begins to happen inside of them. Verse 30, jump down. It says, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them. They've arrived at their house. He wanted to go on. They said, stay with us, eat with us, sleep the night here in the house. It's getting late. He sits down to eat with them and he takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they knew. I pray today you have a verse 31 experience today, that your eyes are open, that you would see that God has never left you, that God has never failed you. He never has and he never will, that you would see through your pain and sorrow and feeling sorry for yourself and everything else, that you would see that he's right there with you. Verse 32, he says this, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us. So many times we don't even realize that God's greatest goal for our lives is to do something in us. He wants to do something in us, but we can be so caught up with what we see and what's around us that we fail to realize our hearts are burning inside of us. Remember this, look at this point. Silence doesn't mean his absence. Silence is never his absence. And if you don't hear him, read him. Well, I haven't heard God lately. Well, read him. This is his word, is it not? It's the bread of life. I pray you're reading it every day as you're following through with us. But Satan wants us to feel distant and disconnected from God because Satan knows greater than we do many times that God is our life source. And to separate us further and further from that place of trust and intimacy is his goal. But I'm telling you right now, we need to start leaning in. We need to start leaning into everything God has. Why? You've got to remind yourself of the promise, Hebrews 13, 5. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God said, I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. Look at your neighbor and say to him, feelings can lie to you. Come on, your feelings can lie to you. Well, I just don't feel it. That's a lie. Because you've got to know the truth of God's word. If God says, I'm never going to leave you, it doesn't matter what you feel. Your feelings are lying to you. Come on now, I'm preaching today. Your feelings are lying to you. Well, I just don't feel God cares about me. Read his word. What does it say? I love you with an everlasting love. You've got to know God's word and truth. So where are you? Are you observing from a distance or are you moving in close with God? Stay close to God. Stay close to God. Stay close to God. Verse 8, now Elijah took his mantle and he rolled it up. He struck the water and it divided this way and that. So the two of them crossed over onto dry ground. Point number three, I'm here to tell you today, the miraculous supernatural can still happen for your life today. The miraculous can take place in your life today. God's not left the building. God has left the building. No, he hasn't. 
God hasn't left us. He's gone nowhere. And, and we can turn around and say, oh, but there's greater needs than ever before. Because we think in our own ability, if there's more needs, we've got to divide out the, the answer that we have. I'm telling you, the greater the need, still the greater the God. Because by the magnitude of the need, it's not depleting the source of God. It's not depleting the life of God anyway. He's still got enough God for your life to have enough God for my life and enough God for everyone else's life. And for for every one of us to have victory and to have every one of us have peace. Mark 9, 23, God says these words, if you can believe, guess what? All things, come on, say that with me, all things. All things, not half things, not maybe things. All things are possible to those who what? Believe. God has not left us. And I love that story, and I haven't got time, but the father, as his son has been tormented and, and, and an evil spirit is grabbing a hold of him, Jesus is speaking to that need and said, you just got to believe. And the father said, I believe in you, but I'm struggling to believe for me. I believe that you are the healer, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling because I see the need in my life. You got to watch that your need does not determine your belief. You better make sure that God's the one that determines your belief. You better look to him because God is still able to do the miraculous supernatural in your life. He's just got to be invited in. He's just got to let have control. God can still part the waters so we can walk through. God can still open the Red Seas. God can still heal the blind. God can still raise the lame. God can still heal cancer. I'm tired of seeing people die from cancer. God is still able to do the miraculous supernatural. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief, God. Because my level of faith, if I don't watch, can be shrunk down to my level of unbelief. Got to lift my faith. God's able to save. He's able to deliver. He's able to do. Verse 9. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please, I want to be twice the man you are. I want a double portion of your spirit to be upon me. Never shortchange God. Come on, never put God in a box. Well, I just kind of want to be kind of similar. No, shoot for the stars. Shoot high. Go high. Oh, that's foolishness to believe that. No, it's not because they obviously don't know the God in whom you believe because the God in whom I believe is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond my wildest dreams and my highest hopes, greatest expectations. Check it out, Ephesians 3.20, if you want to know. God is able to do that. Here's point number four. Are you ready? His persistency opened the door for his request. If he would have stayed, he would have never got. If he would have stayed, number two, he would have never got. Stayed, number three, never got. But through the testing of his commitment, he remained true. So now he's still where he needs to be. Oh, the enemy wants to take you out of where you need to be. Why? Because he knows God is able to meet your every need. What do you need? It's almost like Elijah said, for goodness sake, what? What's going on? Keep following me and I'm trying to get rid of you. Don't you realize? It's like the parable Jesus talks about the persistent neighbor. Someone comes to them at night and and there's no time to buy food and and to get and they don't have what they need. So what do they do? They go next door and they knock on the neighbor and the neighbor says, get out of here. It's late at night. Don't you know what time it is? Most of us would go home and say, I'm sorry. Don't have anything to feed you. But what does the Bible say about that person? The Bible said they kept knocking 
And guess what? The neighbor opened the door and said, for goodness sake, come in and get whatever you want. Just leave me alone. That's what God wants to do for your life. Now, that doesn't mean we manipulate God. That doesn't mean we get to control God because we don't. But we know this, that God draws nigh and draws near to those who what? Draw near to Him. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You don't have joy in rewarding a disobedient kid. You don't want to give them things. But when your kids are obedient, when your kids tell you they love you, when your kids are, are home on time, when your kids, guess what? It's a joy. It's something inside of you. It says, I just want to bless them. It's never that God wants to withhold from you. He's not a bad God. But I'm telling you, He cannot reward disobedience and sin. His heart is not to withhold. His hand is cut short because of our disobedience and sin. But if we'll draw nigh to Him, He'll draw nigh to us. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. That speaks of persistency right there. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, finds. And to him and knocks, it will be opened. Ask, seek, knock is written in the present tense. Why? Because it's supposed to be an ongoing petition that every day, God, I'm going to ask, ask, ask. I'm going to seek, seek, seek. I'm going to knock, knock, knock. In other words, it's saying, I'm not going to be denied. I maybe don't have my miracle today, but I'm not saying, God, if you don't do it by 12, it's over. I'm going to wake up the next day and say, God, I'm going to have it today. And if I don't have it today, God, I'm going to keep believing tomorrow because why? I'm not going to be denied. And God, I'm going to keep trusting you. Come on, I've got to finish the story. Turn to your name and say, he's got to finish the story. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? Anyone with me? Anyone enjoying this story today? Verse 10. So Elijah said to him, I love this. I could preach this for a week. I'm not going to. I'm going to step away from my notes, so I'm not going to preach it. He said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, (laughs) Nevertheless, <laughs> you, you maybe missed that. You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, you, you've asked a hard thing. But God, <laughs> it may be hard and, and seem impossible. Nevertheless, come on, it, it, that's a pretty tough thing. And wow, that's big and that, that's going to take a lot. Nevertheless. God is still in the impossible business. He's still making impossible fully possible. Oh, the enemy may say it's hard. You may say it's hard. But nevertheless, you've got to start telling your hard problems. Nevertheless, 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 God is not going to leave me. Nevertheless, if you leave me when I'm taken away from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not, in other words, see me, it shall not be so. Point number five, there's no days off. Oh, time out, time out. Let me be a Sunday Christian and then live however I want. Listen, you can't live like hell and expect the blessings of heaven. It doesn't work like that. We're not just Sunday Christians. We're 24-7, 365, 366, once every four years on a leap year. We're living this out each and every day. I didn't say we're perfect, but we have the grace and mercy of God. You know what they say? It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. I want to throw this out. This finish is important, but you have no finish if you don't have something going on in the middle. You can't wait to the end. You can't wait for tomorrow. You've got to make your tomorrow start happening today because God says, I'll take care of tomorrow, but you have decisions and choices. You need to start making and taking today that's going to take you to the end and help you to get where you want to be. Galatians 6 verse 9, never grow weary 
in doing good. Why? For in due season, you are going to reap if you what? Don't lose heart. Don't quit. You haven't got no days. Turn to your neighbor and say, no days off. No days off. No days off. And I'm so thankful that Psalms 121 reminds me that he don't take those days off either because the Bible says we don't serve a God who's slumbering and sleeping. The Bible says he don't slumber. He don't sleep. He's taking care of us. Verse 11, got to fly through this. Let's go. Then it happened as they continued. I've only got 29 points. So which one are we on? We're on. I'm only playing. Only playing. Verse 11, just lost some of you right there. Come back. CPR, bring them back to life. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them like something out of a movie. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Could you imagine the noise? Could you imagine just the seeing all that, being a part of that? And verse 12 very clearly tells us that Elisha saw it. Elisha had to see it because remember part of the promise of the nevertheless was that you have to see it with your own eyes. You see, too many people today are trying to live the experience of someone else. You've got to have that experience for yourself. You've got to see it for yourself. You've got to see God for yourself. You've got to know God for yourself. Point number six, don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. The older I'm getting, first thing in the morning, it's hard to sometimes focus on the old cell phone. Anyone with me with that? Kind of just like, woo, it's kind of bright in the morning. I have to move it back and forward just a little bit. Maybe you have to get someone else to hold it for me so I can see it. But you've got to watch that you don't become so blinded by the circumstances and the situations all around you that you don't see God coming through for you. You've got to stay focused. The enemy wants to take you out of focus. The scriptures speak about this. One scripture in the word of God says this, having eyes only for him. Another scripture says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Where am I looking? I'm looking to Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus. You know something about looking? The only way you're going to get where you need to go is by looking in the same direction. You try and walk forward looking backwards. You ain't going to get far. And please don't try driving like that. You've got to look where you're going. You've got to look to Jesus because that's where you're going. Don't let your problems, don't look to the right or to the left. You've got to keep your eyes fixed on the prize. You've got to keep looking to Jesus because he's the one that's going to bring you through. Verse 12, and he cried out, Elisha cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. He took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle. Say the mantle. Remember the mantle that was thrown on him? That symbolized the calling of God. He picked that up and went back and stood by the banks of the Jordan. Here's my last point today. Are you ready? Point number seven. God never goes back on his call. God, oh, for Elisha, it took many years. He had to faithfully serve. But I'm telling you right now, God never goes back on who he calls and what he says. How do I know that? Romans 11, verse 29 from the King James Version. We're really holy today. This is really the holy book. It says, For the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. The new King James says, And the callings and giftings of God are irrevocable. 
The New Living Translation says the giftings and callings of God can never be withdrawn. The Message Bible said God's calls are under full warranty, never cancelled and never rescinded. You know what it's like to have your car and you get up to 35,000 miles and everything starts breaking and you take it to the shop and you say, hey, I want to bring it back. It's under warranty. And they say, oh, sorry, you're 10 miles out of your warranty can't fix nothing, can't do nothing, you're now responsible. God's callings and giftings never lose warranty. You're never outside of the call of God for your life. I bet he wondered if he was ever going to get it. Maybe you're there today. God, is this ever going to happen? Is it ever? I felt it being thrown on me, but then I had to give it back. But now he's holding it in his hand because he's not just being called He is now the called. But it requires something from us. Verse 14, if you want to come back and help me, whoever's playing. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water. He went back to that place again. And he struck the the water. And he said to these words, he says, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? The Bible says he didn't just speak it, but he struck again the waters. And when he had also struck the waters, the Bible says the waters were divided. Listen to me. It's not enough just to speak it. It's not enough just to have a decision of it. Well, I've decided. There has to be action. He didn't just speak, he spoke and struck the water. He spoke and and did. Too many of us have got so good at just praying, but we're not walking out that prayer. Too many of us have got good at what? Talking, but we forgot the walking part of our lives. God requires both from our lives. And God will always honor that. And he will send his miraculous power to accompany us. Because when he spoke and struck, God parted the waters for him. Listen to me today. God's call upon your life means today that you're able. That you are able. And you know why you're able? Because he's still able. What an awesome story today. But listen to me. A story that could have been so different from Gilgal, Bethel, or Jericho. Because you're not going to see the call fulfilled in your place of pain. You're not going to see it while you're distant from God. It's only up close and personal. But don't give up on God because God has never and will never give up on you. His story today can be your story. If you believe that today, would you stand to your feet all over this place? Come on, we believe that today. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.